Today we're talking about electrical systems. And it is International Beer Day. Yep. So we have, uh, I got a grapefruit Hefeweizen. Which apparently is a fan favorite at the shop here. Oh yeah, it's good. nobody knew about. Straight, <laughs> straight from the motherland. Did and you know about that before you bought it today? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I've had them in, in Germany. Ooh. These in Berliner Weiss. Oh, Berliner Weisses are good. It's delicious. Haven't had that. It's sehr schmeckt, as the Germans Yep, say. yep. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I got a Pacifico. Better Corona. Yep. I have seltzers. <laughs> Dude, that's still better than mine. I got the uh, unleaded bush. <laughs> <laughs> the 87 bush. Yeah. Not the premium. <laughs> it still tastes good. Yeah, it does. Those uh, those those Bud Zeros though are, are probably my they're, favorite. They're so hard to find. Yeah, they're they're crispy though. They're because everyone wants crispy. them. They must be. Yep. You so said like, the Labats were good though. Those were pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Those taste almost identical. But yeah, what were you saying? <laughs> Electronics. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what do you need? Wires. What do you got? Wires. The worst part of a car. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> Pedal commanders. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Welcome to today's Tech Talk. Pedal commanders. If you have a pedal commander in your car, say so in the chat. Yep. And we'll talk nicely about your car. <laughs> we are not going to talk nicely. Let's not even. The, uh, the viewing audience may not know, but our pedal commander video yeah. is our highest viewed video month over month. By a long, a considerable still, margin. It's still going. And, and it, it relatively was a pretty recent video. Yeah. Like, and it gets all sorts of comments. People hating on it. <laughs> but they watch it. Yep. I had, that's they kind do. of the ironic part. They get it. They get in the door. So uh, I guess I will start <laughs> <laughs> with uh, every Sonic owner on the planet needs to have a coolant gauge. Ooh, no kidding! Wow, oh, yeah. In the world, you they get didn't the put too one. late light. Yeah, you get the too late light. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I would. I want to say it's because they run that engine so darn hot. Yeah, that it probably scares people. But a lot of uh, a lot of manufacturers don't have temperature Temps. numbers on them. They just have hot and cold. Yep. So oh, yeah. I, I, I guess I don't really know why they did that. Uh, and yeah, even some type of warning. Yeah. Just a hot and cold would have been better than nothing. No. Yeah. yeah it's you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Head gas is gone. Yeah, I mean, that happened to me with our uh, yep. shop Sonic. That happened to us with our shop Sonic. It was, <laughs> yeah. We're, I'm driving down the road. It's like pitch blackout. Driving down the highway, and all of a sudden, I'm like, man, I, I think I smell antifreeze. Uh-oh. But it's pitch black, so I can't see anything. And all of a sudden, I'm, I, like, go under a street light, and I see a cloud behind me. And it's like, <laughs> okay, Uh-oh. well, that's too late. <laughs> Who knows what temperature it got to, because there's no temp gauge. Yep. So, yeah, an AeroForce gauge or some kind of some, gauge that you shows know, coolant temperature. Uh, because we are so consistently out of AeroForces, which is unfortunately a chip supply shortage if you can't find those uh the ultra gauge is a really cheap it's like 80 bucks it's oh yeah it's not great looking but it monitors everything that your pcm does so slap that puppy up there with the, the, the cool on square guy no that's the one that Bo likes yeah. it's a, a little rectangle about this big mm-hmm. and it displays a couple parameters even cheaper than that though you could use just one of the obd adapters yep and like the torque app yeah oh yeah, yeah. Like a $5 Bluetooth thing. <laughs> yeah, and even if you don't have an Android phone, go get like a Boost Mobile $10 Android. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. use it. But 
Or like who doesn't have an old iPad or yeah, something, something like that in a drawer that they forgot yeah. about from yeah, five years ago. Some electronic that you're yeah. like, I'm going to sell that. Yeah. <laughs> and then you never do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I uh, literally have like a stack of them. Yep, I have a I'm stack. like, I'm, I'm going to put these in my dash someday. No, I'm not. I'm <laughs> no, not going I'm not gonna to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but even the cruise, the cruise has a temp gauge. But I read some guy's forum post and he uh, he basically tracked it with with an app the whole way and he he knew his car was his engine was overheating already so he would fire it up and he would watch it and it would it gets to half at like 180 degrees and then you know the sonics run at you know 220 230 it then moves another click and then you're overheating so yeah. the the whole second half of the gauge basically is you're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> GM. Yeah. It it must have been GM didn't want people thinking that their cars were running hot, so they. Uh, it was actually I know the story to uh, that. It's it, the ratio changes on the needle. Uh, then you'll notice the needle moves very quickly warming up, and yep. then it slows down when it gets mm. warm. It's because um, people are complaining about the needles not being in the same places all the time. <laughs> so they make the so they. <laughs> spring it up really fast up to normal temp and then it gets hot and it like it's like one needle yeah. further yep. it's like 30 degrees <laughs> so they put your entire ideal range at the yeah. middle yep. yes and then like it will show overheated but like you know it'll go from like just over halfway being like 200 degrees to like completely overheated is like 230 yep mm-hmm. you know just like like half the needle movement is only like you know 30 degrees let's say it's it's a, a gm shortcut i guess but yeah there's ford does it too couple, yep. couple guys in here saying he's got a venom 400 whatever that is dash commander yeah that's uh yeah randy's got a really nice one in his car um i'm assuming he transferred that over to the green one but dash commander never heard of it i, I couldn't really tell you what it is but uh it's just something. a really fancy yeah system thing yeah but but yeah i that that would be my starting point is get something to monitor your vitals if if you can't see them get something you can watch your car um and then you can move into you know tuning related things like wide bands and and all that yeah yep hp find a find a place to put them when you buy the gauges because if you don't and you're like oh i'm just gonna wire it in and zip tie it and i'll do it later you'll Uh you'll never do it no you'll never do it (laughs) Temporary solutions become permanent. Yep. By yep. a pillar or a dash thing. Yeah. You still have dash slots. Sonic, we've got that nice little center, yep. center boy. When's the next White Cruise? Uh, pretty soon, I think. I think next um, next Wednesday. Yeah, we just we just did the next two things that we're gonna do to it, and mm-hmm. uh, I think it's oh, it's waiting for Alex to get back to finish up one of the new oh. R and D projects cool. on it, mm-hmm. and then he'll hand the keys to me, and we'll go dyno it again. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those so. those videos are doing really well. I'm glad people are liking watching them. Yeah, I think we're gonna wrap it up with. I'm probably going to do like the last one will be like the okay, I'm gonna full send it for one pull mm-hmm. because I'm sick of all the BNR <laughs> d bags <laughs> and BNR himself talking about like oh look at this horsepower yeah. look at look at this horsepower more than our competing vendor's big turbo car and it's like yeah dude for one dyno pull and if you hit two gears it blows up <laughs> that cruise that like times. that cruise is tuned to do top speed runs if mm-hmm. somebody gets in it and does it you yeah. know I tune it like I tune every customer I don't like do I don't have dyno jets that are cranked to the moon and yeah you know <laughs> one single dyno pull 
That is one of the unfortunate things about having Mustang dinos. Most people don't understand how vastly different one dino is from the next. Yeah. Uh, you just see a, a plot on the internet and think it's imperfectly accurate. Uh, yeah. Explain. <laughs> Brain just <laughs> shut off completely. Uh, the big difference between how a Mustang dino reads torque and horsepower versus a dino jet. What? <laughs> I said explain the big differences between a Mustang and a dino jet. Oh, the big difference is the way the uh, the parasitics are applied. Mm-hmm. Uh, dino jet uses a percentage. A Mustang uses a measured value of the drag. Uh, so basically with a dino jet, the more power you make, the more it's going to make over a Mustang. Yep. All else being equal. Um Aside from that, it's just kind of known in the industry that Mustangs typically read lower than dino jets. Mm -hmm. From my personal experience, I have found dino jets to be pretty consistent from one dino to the next. Yep. As long as it's like the same model and then they're operating it in the same way. Um, But then also ours and Snicky's reads within like single digit horsepower of each other his yep. is a mustang dyno so that's also very consistent as well but when you get into all the other brands like it used to be mainly mainly just an argument between mustang and dino jet and like fanboys but mm-hmm. now there's other companies out there and i'm not gonna bother naming off the names <laughs> but there are some because I looked into it and like asked some other shops about it, and there's some shops that are like, "Do not get this one. It's just a guess. <laughs> like it's you can make it read whatever you want, whenever you want." Yeah. And I happen to see that particular one used often on many competing vendors' yep. cars. And it's like, hmm, <laughs> not saying they're doing anything on purpose necessarily, but it's sure odd. I, I wish that they read all the same. It would be really nice, but there's too many different ways to man- manipulate it. So, I mean, when it comes down to it, like... The other big I, thing I, before I forget, sorry, was the correction factors are not all that useful the more you're relying on forced induction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the more your power is coming from your power adder, the least accurate, the less accurate the correction factor is, and the farther you get away from 1.0. Yeah, or 100%. I can't agree with that more. Uh, I think supercharged cars might be the ones that take the biggest hit. Mm-hmm. Um, or a max effort turbo, where you're already right effort. in the edge of an efficiency line. True. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, really, it's it's about when you're maxing the efficiency, and since you can do it so easily with a supercharger, yeah. I guess yeah. that's why. You know, So yeah. I agree with you. Um, like... I ran into this problem when I was doing torque converter testing way back in the day. We, we tested like a 1600 stall, a, mm-hmm. a 2000, a 2500, a 3000, a 3500 stall. And I was doing it on a supercharged car. I was doing it on my personal Bonneville mm-hmm. SSCI. And every day I went to do the, I went to dyno it, it would read like eight wheel horsepower different. Yep. So it was mm-hmm. very frustrating. I got this 300 and same dyno, same car, same strap down method. Is same as you could possibly be. Weather station entered exact, you know, for the day. Mm-hmm. So, like, what I had to do was I had to wait. I had to look at the weather station and, like, wait until the, the time of day matched 
yeah. the other day. And then I would dyno the car. Yep. And, that, and that's how I got the numbers. But it was really difficult. Oh, I bet. So, you know, it was a 350 wheel horsepower car and you'd do one dyno pull one day at 350 wheel and the next day it'd be like 358. You know, and, and the low horsepower, you know, is obviously low on boost mm-hmm. because, you know, the air is not as good or whatever. Yep. And the correction factor will, is it is adjusting the horsepower, but it but your boost is still low. Right. Yeah. So you're right. you're the, still screwed. The warmer air, the, the the dyno correction factor doesn't know that you have an atmosphere multiplier strapped onto your exactly. engine. Yeah. And and that's literally what it is. Yeah. So it's pretty accurate for an NA car. Yes. But the like like I was saying, the more you're relying on it, the farther that air gets out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. To where like I often I don't plot out the uncorrected numbers, but I always keep an eye on those to know where I'm at. Especially because of the correction factor being able to throw things off so far, you may have a a really cool day where you have like a really negative correction factor in in a car like mine where I'm pushing the limits with it. The crank is not seeing a corrected horsepower number. It's It's what is happening right now. So when I'm pushing something like that, I don't care what it would make on a 70 degree day at zero humidity and whatever pressure. Uh I need to know what's happening right now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you can learn less than the hard way on that one too. Like if you're dynoing ATSVs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. The crank is still seeing that same amount of power. Yeah. So you might think like, oh, you you know, you kind of figure an ATSV bottom end will handle around, you know, 750 wheel horsepower. Oh, well, uh, if you're dynoing it on a 35 degree day and the correction factor is like 96 or 7 Mm percent, you know, it's. It's a big difference. You can get close to that real quick or, or go over it without <laughs> yeah. realizing it because your dyno sheet says you're not there yet. Yep. Oh, another good thing to point out, even though we're kind of getting off topic, <laughs> with LNF or with DI cars. Yeah. Yep. How much the weather, even with the correction factor, can throw off your fuel system capacity and yep. give people false expectations of what they can get. Mm-hmm. So the the most power you'll make if your vehicle is fuel system limited on a DI car is on the hottest, hottest day. nastiest, yep. worst day you can get. Because you your correction factor, for those of you that don't know, I briefly mentioned earlier, uh, depending on the standard you use, pulls down to like 70 degrees, 0% humidity, and I, I forget what the barrow is. But it basically is telling you what your car would make on that day. And normally that's a good thing because you're trying to have consistent numbers. So when you go, say it's a 100 degree day and 80% humidity and we're in a low pressure pocket for whatever reason, your correction factor could be 110% or even higher than that. Mm-hmm. So like you can make 10, 15% more power than the car actually could on a cooler day. Uh, because, but if you look at your uncorrected numbers, you can see, oh, it's actually not making. Yep. I'm. It, here's a much clearer way to phrase that: <laughs> your uncorrected dyno number will be very consistent with your fuel system limitation. Yeah. So, like, let's say, because that think, is what is happening right now. I think this is a easy way to say it for a DI car. Um, so you're direct injected. You're spraying your fuel from your injector right into the cylinder. However, 
since you can't puddle it on top of your intake valve and mm-hmm. just let it sit there while the injector's wide open, you have a smaller window. Mm-hmm. You have a very narrow window to pump fuel into that into that combustion chamber. So when you're running at the, the limits of the fuel system, you only have this little window. And if you need more than that window, you're out of fueling. Yep. And DI cars love injection timing so much. Mm-hmm. They get so happy when you have like uh, when you have a lot of pressure because you can very get narrow it window. right at the right time. Yep. Yeah, you can get in in the right at the right time, and the car makes great power. But let's say on a seventy degree day, you're you're maxing your window, and you go and dyno it on a forty degree day. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a good point to add. It's not even just the the fuel mass that it can deliver the, the window that it delivers yes. it in also has a big effect on power yep. so your your fuel pump can only flow so much you have your low pressure pump fill in the high pressure pump you know each of those has their limitation and then you have the injector itself mm-hmm. and you're very limited with injectors on di cars because yeah. they're like a million dollars a piece <laughs> and the only people that make larger ones are unreliable pieces of crap so you uh injectors <laughs> so well them too really but but anyway so yeah it back to back to you know, electronics you, I suppose. oh yeah electronics, yeah, electronics. <laughs> gauges so um, i personally wideband since we're kind of on this track um for a di car a gauge that reads high pressure is mm-hmm. pretty important yeah, oh, yeah. so if, here's a question for each platform let's go through you have three gauges say you have a pillar pod with three slots what do you want to get mm. that's good a question. good per car tell me car. a car uh grand prix grand prix um i would say one that has the junkyard on speed dial <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm kidding guys i'm kidding grand prix uh kr Yep. So, and a scan gauge of some kind, uh, definitely KR. And then um, that scan gauge will also tell you your timing and your O2, and you can kind of bounce between those. So I would say a scan gauge, and I always love boost gauges. Yep. So yeah. a boost gauge for sure, a mechanical one, of course. <laughs> yep. Because you got to have that mm-hmm. darn needle. And uh, so that's, and then a wide band. Yeah. Freaking love wide bands. Wideband everything, yeah, everybody. Every car needs one. Yeah. Uh, it makes things so much easier. I'm not quite as experienced as these guys, but even just dynoing the the blue cobalt, you can have a perfect O2 on a pole on the street, and you're like 880s on E85. It's like you think it's dialed, and then you put it on the dyno, and you watch the AFR go like that, <laughs> right in the middle. And there's or no it's change. just way off. Yeah, or totally think- off. I just got done wrapping up Randy O'Brien's, um, you know, Z04 Sonic, and he's like, my car's rich. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, the O2s are like 890s. Yeah, perfect. You know, what do you, like, no way. And then he, like, sends me a video, and he's like, 10 Yep. And I'm like, what? The O2s are 895, yep. like, you know, and he's like, yeah, it's 10 He sends me a video, and I'm like, all right, let's lean it out and see what happens. The O2 mil voltage never changed. It was 890 again. I believe it. But it was a half a point leaner, you know, let's say. And then the next pull, half a point leaner again, you know, in yep. the O2 mil volt still stayed the same. Mm-hmm. You know, wide bands are way more accurate but than the I narrow band. I have seen... Because people have asked me this question before, like, how can you how can you tune with just a narrow band? So the answer is, with experience in a platform and a setup, 
it's not that difficult to know that the car is safe. Yeah. It's pretty easy to know that, like, I know on an LSJ, on, let's say, a typical stage three kit gas setup, as long as my O2 millivolt is 900 or higher, mm-hmm. I know that it's not going to be too lean. I can't tell you exactly how rich it is, but I know it's not too lean. And so that, and a customer asked me that, I'll tell them. Like, if, if you want a little bit more out of your tune, put a wide band in it. Yeah. Send yeah. me videos, we'll do it. I can, I can promise you with almost complete certainty that it's safe, but none of us can guess exactly how rich it is. Yeah, because you, you give the PCM a commanded AFR, but it doesn't, it doesn't know. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah, you have to make, you, you know, you can command a 12 air fuel all day long, but you've got to make sure your injectors and your map chart all, like, spot are on, yeah. spot on to actually make it be yep. that. Because that's that's what I do, is I generally command a accurate power enrichment, you know, mm-hmm. AFR number, and then I adjust everything else to get it to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, for, for like, Randy's car, uh, let's say a 3800 car. 3800 car, you know, 940 O2s, uh, millivolts, mm-hmm. 99% of the time, that is a great tune. Mm-hmm. 940 millivolt O2s. Um, very rarely, like I'm, I'm saying like one out of every 100, um, that number won't be right. Um, an ATS, that <laughs> narrow band is darn near worthless. Really? Um, I've, I feel that narrow bands are severely infect, uh, affected by temperature. Yeah. Yes, so yes, yes. On an ATS, pressure. you'll be in second gear and you'll floor it, and your O2 will be 915, let's say. Um, by the time you're two, three, four, that O2 is like 880. Yeah. Yep. It's hot. Like yep. it drops like crazy. And when it drops, it, it looks like it's lean, but it's not. Like it's just it, the temperature, you know, screws up the O2. And signal. that's why when I'm tuning and someone only has a narrow band with an LSJ, I make sure that they give me some single gear pulse. Yeah. So that it's not going to be too hot. But that just reinforces or reiterates what I was saying earlier that I'm not saying that you can just grab any car and go tune it off a narrow band, that you have to have experience with that platform and know what to expect. Like we have all done hundreds of cars with wide bands in them while also looking at the narrow band. So we know that's how we kind of come up with these rough ideas. If, uh, like if someone threw a 3800 in my lap and said tune it with no wideband, I'd say no. <laughs> yeah, because I, I don't safe. have the experience with yeah. that. Yep. And in let's say let's say you have a stage three cobalt, you know, a full stage three cobalt, colder intake, header downpipe. Um, yeah, you know, go for 902 or something mm-hmm. like that with it. Um, as long as it has like a 30 pulley. Yeah. You know, maybe a 29 pulley. Yeah. You, if this dude's got a 27 pulley on it ignore that wideband because as soon as that thing starts to get on the verge of getting some kr oh. o2 voltage signal is worthless yep you know, oh you, you said wideband you meant narrow band narrow band yeah. yeah sorry um yeah the the narrow band is worthless as soon as you're on a knock threshold yep mm-hmm. you know or exhaust temp like the ltgs i mean that's why these things blow up i bet you mm-hmm. if you put a if you put an egt gauge on every platform of our car i guarantee the ltg will be the hottest exhaust temps of all oh i'm sure hmm. i bet sonic would be close second yeah think with, so? the, with all Just that back of the pressure. timing and the back pressure like, like stock turbo sonic was i, was I don't see o2 values change over a few gears of pull as as much as i do with the ltgs though mm. Mm. 
the LTGs will, you know, three gears of full throttle, and that, that O2 mil volts is just dropping 30, 40. <laughs> a Sonic generally doesn't. Right. Maybe it's because it's making less power? That could yeah. be. Moving, I don't know. Moving less air, yeah. I don't know what the ratio is to cubic inch, maybe. <laughs> maybe they're similar with the engine size difference. That but, could be. Uh, Jason Smith said, love to see some oil pressure. What do you guys think about that? Because I've always kind of heard oil pressure is another too late gauge. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Because if you see zero or ten on that, it's it's, it's, it's done. broken. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's nothing you're gonna do. Yeah, uh, let's go overrated, underrated. <laughs> I say it's overrated. Yep, oil pressure's pretty much worthless. Yeah. It tells you how whooped out your engine is at idle. <laughs> Pretty much. Now, 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 with my car, I scan it because with the standalone, I can set up safeties yeah. that will shut the car off immediately if something happens. But a stock PCM but car is it, yeah. nothing. That also, like I've come to learn, uh, knock sensors at the level I'm running my car at are also a too late type thing. Uh-huh. Uh, by the time it knocks, it's already bad things have happened. Yep. Well, if you got a custom car with two turbos like you and all custom lines like okay. oil pressure could drop if you have a loose fitting right uh, yeah, yeah. so that'd be neat yeah. i guess That's but fair. but yeah yeah Stock car. <laughs> skip it just do your fittings right <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh but then on the the wideband too you know you get some of these newer cars like the lnf and then gm decided well never mind undo undo Why? go back to narrow band but you know yeah. the, the 15 plus ATSs have a included wideband, so you you don't need them there because you can monitor that with like a, a Arrow Force. But um, yeah, wideband for sure on anything that you're really wanting to make some. Good See, I've had like widebands for so Cobalt. long. I don't understand why they're not in every car. I I don't get it either. Yeah, uh, Ford EcoBoosts have widebands from the factory. Huh. Hmm. The LNF yeah. had it in 2008. Yeah, yeah. Did they just have seven extras or something? Seven. Yeah. 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 It's not like they're expensive. (laughs) I I mean, they used to be. Yeah. Back in 2007 and 8, I'm sure they were. This is 1999, GM. (laughs) So what's, uh, you have an LNF Cobalt, what's the three gauges you want? Ooh. Do you have an RPD in it? I know. I was was hoping you brought that up. (laughs) That was a cool gauge. They all have boost gauges, right? Oh, yes. Yep. Before we move on from 3800, Ooh, we got to talk, we got to talk crap about the uh, LNF boost, boost gauge. gauge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 3800, I could see being the one car I know of where a voltmeter could actually be useful. Yeah. Ooh, 3800s do have voltage Because they have some weird voltage issues sometimes. Yeah, yeah they, they have a lot of voltage issues. Um, you know, number one, the voltage varies from pole to pole, drive to drive, a lot. Uh, number two, uh, some some of the years have bad alternators, mm-hmm. like just poor alternators. And number three, when the voltage drops, the ECM does weird stuff at idle. Hmm. So... You know, generally, like, a, a really easy mod is just to bump your idle, like, 25 <laughs> RPM, because your your voltage will stay more consistent. Yep. Huh. But, yeah, you know, all the newer cars rely so much on electronics, mm-hmm. you know, like, electric steering racks and so much electronic stuff that the alternators are pretty awesome. And they've got variable output. And, yeah. You know, they're, they're pretty advanced now. <laughs> yeah, it, this is definitely not a uh, 1980... Monte Carlo, where like a 60 amp alternator is an upgrade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, Brian, the LF4 does not have a wideband. Why in the world? Why G- don't, why doesn't it? I don't know. GM's like, like let's make this badass M3 killer, you yeah. know, 
Wide band? Nah, you don't need that. Nope. Nope. Don't need <laughs> that. Just narrow band. We got it. <laughs> Trust us. We did it good. Okay. Uh, um, let's see. So, LNF Cobalt. Yeah, the... the so, the stock gauge. boost gauge isn't actually what you're making. <laughs> it For some reason, it's programmed to give you a number... And the the biggest thing is KO4 turbos drop off at the higher RPM. They they just can't keep flowing. Yeah. So if you if you have a tune for I don't know say 24 psi on a KO4, it's gonna drop to like 22 20, yeah. possibly lower. You could at, weld yeah. the wastegate <laughs> shut and it's still gonna taper down at the top. Yeah. Yeah. But GM didn't want people seeing that and thinking something was wrong with their car. So it'll hold that 24 all the way to red line. And you're like, yeah, I got a 24 PSI tune. <laughs> nope. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's kind of goes back to the coolant temp gauge. Yeah, same thing. Yep. You know, just a phony gauge because people love moving needles. <laughs> and I mean, we've admitted that we do. Yeah, yeah you do. I, I love needles. Everyone does. I saw some dude talking crap about the stock boost gauge in an LSJ the other day. He's like, it's going to be the same number every time. And I was like, yeah, but you get to watch it go wee. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, it is the same, same, but it's different. Uh, Aaron, I would check your ABS sensors or lines, probably. Uh, but, driving highway in the winter, vibrating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. It could be a, a wheel bearing, an ABS sensor, you know, anything. Um, has anyone run an ATI on a stock pulley? On an LSJ. Good question. Oh, boy. That mm. sounds like a really big belt. That sounds like a very expensive belt. <laughs> like, <laughs> we got some 3,800 belts that might work. <laughs> they make them because on Brayton's twin charge car, we did ATI in a 3,800 pulley. And that belt was like 80 bucks. Ooh. Really? Yeah. Dang. Yeah. No thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe don't do that. Yeah, it's not a good plan. <laughs> Unless you want to sp buy a really expensive belt. John wants an oil temp gauge. That's uh, fair. Oil, yeah, oil temp. Um, I'm going to go underrated on I, oil temp. I, yeah, I yeah. would take oil temp over oil pressure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That is a how close you are to oil breakdown. Mm -hmm. So um, let's, let's say you rally race, road course race, um, dune truck stuff. Like oil mm -hmm. temp is crucial. Yeah. You know, you do a couple laps and you're like, holy crap, my oil temp's 260 degrees Ooh. or, you know, something like that. It's, it's like, thin. let's give it a cool down lap. Yeah. Or, so. or even just for your average owner, you know, you'd start it up in the winter and you wait till it gets to, yeah, that too. you know, yep. say a summer day, 80, a hundred degrees. And then you're, you're good to take off. I think we, you might not have been here, Tim, but I know Al was talking about it. The oil temp versus coolant temp. Because I've always mm, found yeah. it weird that European cars always, like, on the dash yeah. show, oil, oil temp, temp yep. and then GM and mm -hmm. stuff is all cool in it. Yep. Always, I don't know, I don't know what's yeah, better, but it's like, eh. I mean, they're both awesome. I mean, the oil temp is telling you how hard you're beating on your car and how close you are to melting some bearings out. Well, also... But it's definitely not, like, as fast as coolant temp, so... Yeah, your that's car what I was going to say. Mm -hmm. It uh, could overheat. There's a significant lag in the oil temp versus the coolant temp. Yeah. So, like, you, if you have someone that does short drives, and we've seen this on cars before where the oil gets really nasty, where someone drives very short distances, and the oil never gets warm enough to actually boil off 
the water and fuel vapor and the contaminants. Yeah. Um, even though your coolant may get up to temp and it may be there for five minutes or so, the oil is probably not hot enough to start boiling that stuff off yet and letting the PCB system flush it out. Yeah, and then you take off your oil cap and you've got a bunch of ick on the bottom and you're yeah. like, yeah. oh no, my head gas is gone. <laughs> yeah, like that's the thing we're sharing so that you guys know. Uh, if, if you do drive, have a very short commute, get on the highway yeah. at least a couple times a week for 10 minutes or so. Yeah. Don't do 100 five-minute drives in a car. No. They, they no. don't like it. They do not like that. <laughs> Your battery doesn't either. Yeah. Well, you yeah. don't yeah. have time to recharge. I put yeah. a... It wasn't a race battery, but it was like a, you know, maybe one or two steps above a race battery. And over a week of driving back and forth to work, like it ran it dead. Like I would go do a run for ZZP to mm -hmm. powder coaters or something. And then it wouldn't start in the powder coating parking lot. And I'm like, <laughs> what the heck? Like this battery's brand new. It's just that my drive to work at that time was, was like seven or eight minutes. Yep. And I would do that. And by Thursday, like the battery <laughs> couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> And, and then you get on the highway for 10, 15 minutes, and now your battery's charged. You're good to go, and mm -hmm. everything's happy. Yep. Man, uh, I'm still I'm perseverating on the LNF question because you don't I, – I mean, you do – it's always nice to have more gauges. but Well, it's hard because most of us think in arrow force terms. Yeah. So, like, you get one arrow force, and then you can then you're pretty much through everything. Yeah. yeah. But um, – I don't. If if you want to switch it out, okay, do a mechanical boost gauge, uh, yep. that that's actually tapped into a, a boost line. Yep. Um, you've already got coolant temp on the dash, so that you've got that covered. You want to toss me that old um, guy? Oh, almost. I don't know what else. I mean, my two cents. My two cents is um, if the car has a wide band. Like, I, I think I'm going to really wrap this up quick, I suppose. But <laughs> if the car comes factory with a wideband, then I would say two arrow forces, or two scan gauges, yeah. let's say, and a mechanical boost gauge. Um, if it does not have a factory wideband, then I would say a mechanical boost gauge, a scan gauge, and a wideband. Yeah. Or, or two scan gauges and a wideband. Yep. Um, that pretty much sums up all of my vehicles. And I literally yeah. have, like, an F-150 that has that combo. It has mm -hmm. a wideband a scan gauge and a, and a boost gauge. And then I have, and then my Sonic has two arrow forces. Mm -hmm. um, my ATSV has two arrow forces and a wide band. So, I mean, I pretty much have the same combo. I mean, my car for many, many years had boost gauge, wide band, arrow force. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty huge, much covers the bases. I'm a huge fan of dual scan gauges. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Huge fan. So, uh, Arrow Force, I'm sure you're not listening, but can you please get some chips? <laughs> yeah. So we can sell more of these things because the people need yeah, them. I saw someone ask earlier if we were going to restock. Uh, yes. As soon as they have them for us, we will have more in. Tell I just thought of a, um, I would consider, underrated gauge that most cars come with nowadays, tire pressure sensors. That a lot of you yeah. car guys get your new wheels and you don't put the sensors in. Guilty. Put them in, like. <laughs> yeah, I'm usually on team. I don't care if you're like. But it I is guess nice. if you're road course autocross guy, keep them in. That's yeah. like I'm the old. number one most valuable thing. I'm old. I love TPMSs, but I will say that that has changed with age. Like I like it now. Yeah. <laughs> because like I don't know. Like every once in a while you'll just I don't know, you'll get rowdy on track and you'll de 
DC to bead or whatever you call it. And um, all of a sudden now your tires starting to leak and it's nice getting that warning. Like what the heck? Why is, why is my tire? Yeah, I wasn't thinking of it that way. Yeah. That could be useful. I was thinking of it in the way, like when I started road coursing with you, I didn't have them in my car. And I put my tire to 28 or whatever and did the whole day, didn't think of it. And then I later got them, was racing at 28, and then they're at 38. And I was like, whoa, what is what is going on here? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah they really get That up. means you're driving it hard. <laughs> yeah. That means you're actually driving the car on road course when that happens. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's good. Yeah, no. At first, I was just thinking of, like, like flat tires and stuff. And, and I don't know why, but it's yeah. just as long as I can remember as a habit that I look at all four tires whenever I walk out to my car. Every time. Well, I think that's why I was saying Pretty it's underrated. Pretty much every time. Is most people oh, think of me. it as a switch. It's the tires have error. They don't. But yeah. like it's data that's important. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is. If it you have 40 is. PSI, you're going to get better gas mileage than 30. Yep. So like yeah. there's that's a true. lot of variance. Save you on tire wear too, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I will admit I'm a little weird on my tire pressure. <laughs> I am very anal about my tire pressure. <laughs> You're like the if it's three off, you go like Psst. yes. Oh <laughs> heck, I'm a, the rim ain't touching the ground. We're good. <laughs> what what bothers me is a complaint is the TPMS is not as good as a gauge. No, it's nope. not. It's it's always a few off. It's a yep. few off, You'll, and it takes a long time for it to to read. Yeah, like that that was last year at Berlin. The Camaro had them, and I was like, oh cool, I'll just use that. I don't need to bring a gauge, and I'd like you know push on it and kind of be looking in the window and i'm like you're trying to watch that that's not going down at all and i have let out a lot of air (laughs) and then 30 seconds later it's like 19 oh we went too far yeah (laughs) undo blow it back in uh no i've always liked the the ladder tack on the red lines i thought it was a really cool albeit a little gimmicky uh but the fact that you could change the the, when it came on was Talking about gauges, Pretty we cool. haven't brought up the ladder tack yet. I know. <laughs> now that they sell for $500 a piece. What's the ladder tack? On a comp red line? Comp red oh, line. Oh, okay. The, that, yeah, that thing's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, a Formula One car has that. Yeah. So, of course, it's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Like, I, none of my... I've had two, two red lines. Yep, two red lines. And neither one of them had that. And I was so uh, mad. I yeah. wanted it so bad. Have you guys seen the aftermarket steering wheels that people custom wire in the yeah in the M- top of it my bmw m6 had that it was pretty nice. really Ooh, yeah oh. that's pretty cool that is cool it was cool and it was neat too because it didn't light up until you got to like let's say like 6500 and then it's like and then it, the dots go dot 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 yeah like so it's it's just like just yeah, like daily driving you never see it yeah but if you're yeah Huh. Getting on it. See, my fuel tech has the RPM gauge across the top of it, but also at shift RPM, the entire screen flashes red and yellow yeah. and says shift on it. Perfect. You can't oh, we got the drag sonic, which is just disco party at oh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the shift light and the drag, you are not missing at that. At eight grand. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't see. It blinds you. I'll put it in before an event, and then we're watching the video on Eric's computer, and I was like... Sorry, Tyler, did I blind you? That was really bright. Like, <laughs> it illuminates the entire car. Oh, it does. It kind of worked. And then, it worked later. And then he ignored it for like a year and never told me. I was like, is the shift set really low? I've just, I've just been going for it and like going off field. And he, he brought up the software and he's like, oh, yeah, it was set for first gear at like 7,200. I was like, yeah, I just... I've just been but, winging it. <laughs> just went way past it. It's fine. <laughs> on your um, on your standalone, is it adjustable per gear? Yes. Nice. Yeah, I like that. That's pretty, pretty handy. Cool. That's cool. 
So uh, now that you said adjustable by gear, one thing that we don't carry on the website, but we can get if you come here for a build, uh, is a Cortex boost mm, controller. Yeah. How cool are those? When you're, you know, stock PCM has a lot of limitations, and um, especially on a big turbo car, having a Cortex can be really, really helpful. It prevented that gauge single-handedly stopped me from giving up on my car. Yeah. Because I was so fed up with tire frying. Well, yeah, because you're making, say, 600 yeah. in second. It's completely useless. Absolutely. Third's useless, you know, and you can ramp it in. And, and mm-hmm. even on, uh, uh, man, why I can't think of his name. Oh, Aiden Bowerman. He's got that 2-4, and he had a KO4. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, he didn't want to rebuild the bottom end, so use a Cortex to lessen the torque spike. Mm-hmm. You're not going to blow up your... Your stock too far. Yeah, it was a pretty useful setup for him. But yeah, being able to Man, have that's a, an old name. He's had that car for a long time. Yeah, mm-hmm. a really long time. But being able to add boost by gear to virtually any car is and is so useful. It's affordable. The gauge is nice and small, and you can program on it. And I I wired the one into the Sonic. Mm-hmm. I hate wiring. I am. It makes my brain go fuzzy. <laughs> And I was able to do it. Yeah. So anyone can do it. And it has shift light output. It has nitrous controls, if you're into that kind of stuff. Yeah. Which um, I am. I know this is a little little off, and I don't know how many Ion guys are in here, but it was one of my uh, neater ideas of something I did with my Ion. Since the Ion tech is pretty much uh, worthless. Yes. I remember you telling me about this years so, ago. So worthless. Is it slower? It's so slow. It's so, so slow. slow. So, so slow. you got to hit the one, two at like five grand and then maybe you're oh. lucky. Oh yeah. Like I, I it's sh- at 72. I shifted mine at, uh, I think around 9,000 RPM because the tack doesn't go that high. So it's like, it's like kind of a <laughs> guess. So what I did was I was so sick of dealing with the tack because to shift at nine, I would shift at six on the tack. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I did was I took the wire for the, for the speedometer pickup and I ran it to the rear wheel bearing. So I shifted the car by the speedometer <laughs> instead. Yeah. So if I botched a launch, I would just let it bounce off the rev limiter a few more times until I hit that mile per hour, and then I would grab second gear. Because then you know you're coming into second at uh-huh. the appropriate mile an hour, so yeah. you're not hogging the next gear. Yeah, and it was uh, that's pretty cool. Pretty awesome. <laughs> Definitely pretty awesome. Uh, I'll grab this, Paul. No, don't get a blow-off valve. Don't get... Uh, wastegate actuator can help. Uh, aftermarket blow-off valves are pretty much useless. Nope. They are totally worthless. Unless you want a different sound. And yeah. ha- half the time, they'll cause check engine lights because it's... Mm-hmm. Yep. Because they don't operate gear. the same way. But... Well, yeah, especially if you have a vent to atmosphere. Good luck on some cars. Yeah. Some you can get away with it. I'm not going to say which ones because I don't want you people to go out and buy them. <laughs> um, yep. But most cars, they're a bad idea. Yeah, but no. even the aftermarket research ones, I've seen them cause some weird issues. Ryan, just, just get a good colder intake that you can hear the you know, factory bypass valve blow off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rhino Riggs, yes, we do like to party here, and a 50 shot should be built into every LSJ. But, so, <laughs> before we move on from the blow off house, for reference, the top of the line mega EFR turbos still come with the exact same style plastic yep. cap blow-off valve that like a KO4 has. They work perfectly fine. Sure do. Yep. And I, I, I think one thing that a lot of people don't realize about an internal bypass valve is your boost is holding it shut. Yeah. So 
it's it's just a spring. Yeah, and they a think diaphragm. they need a stiffer spring, but when it's in its shut mode, the pressure on each side is equal, so yeah. the, it doesn't require a heavy spring to keep it closed. Yep. Hmm. Uh, Sonics, all Sonics have a narrow band. There were none that came with a wide band. That'd be nice. Negative. <laughs> so it's just L and Fs and early eight or late ATSs. You said. Yep. ATS and Camaro. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. But not ATSV. Nope. Nope. Same year. Just base models. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Why? I don't know. Yeah. Don't Me know. Either. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Wow, I am so tired. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, um, um, you want? I have, I have. A, you can put shift lights in these cars too, because I did have a shift light before I did the speedometer trick, and it was pretty nice. I bought a universal uh, shift light off eBay, mm. and then uh, we wired it into the coil packs, and we had to do, we had to add some like resistors or whatever to it to get it to work. But it was adjustable, and it did work on my red line, and it was awesome. Nice, interesting. So, so I it know can you- be done. Put those in the coil packs. Yep. That's Use a coil pack signal to trigger it. But like Matt, you know, Mr. Science, mad Scientist, he um, he was like, oh, it's not going to work, but I'll just add this and this. And it worked. And it worked great. <laughs> so on shift light, Tim, did you ever have a big tack that he that you installed in a car oh with a shift light like the old one from jegs i want to do that in the echo like the big with the shift light yeah the top. yeah right oh. on the top i had a dragon tack it was five and a half inches Woo! and it was in my 84 grand prix <laughs> 84 grand yes. prix with a big cam 305 oh, and four wow. 410 gears <laughs> Yes, the, the five and a half inch tack is a requirement for that setup. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was great. The only car I ever considered putting an aftermarket tack in was my stupid Focus that I had because it was a base model. And even though it was a manual, it didn't come with a tack, just yeah. like the Echo. What? Oh boy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Didn't have a tack. So you just kind of shifted whenever mm-hmm. you shifted. <laughs> when it bounces, then you hit the next Pretty much. gear. Except you could... You could unlock. It had, you know, just a little tiny screen like this that said your odometer and then your trip. Mm-hmm. But it also had oil life and one other thing. But you could do a special combo of holding it down for a certain amount of time and then like pressing it twice, and it would unlock like a dealer menu. And one of the options was you could get the RPM signal ah. on there. But it was like this big, <laughs> so you'd be driving around like. I think that's seven. I don't know. <laughs> well, you see, Al, slow cars don't spin the tires, uh, so you can just do the same mile an hour every time. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, yeah, I yeah, forgot about that. That thing yeah. was, that was kind of a fun car, but it was a piece of junk. <laughs> well, you, you know, if you don't have a tack, you just shift by mile per hour. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, it's better anyway. <laughs> Dairyland, no. Most, most OEM PCMs can't do boost by gear. However, uh, the LNF does have a kind of boost by gear table um uh, and then yeah, the, it has a torque by gear yeah and then the lsj has your first gear but that's it mm-hmm. except for 07s yep it doesn't work that well anyway you don't the lsj boost control is basically for emergency use <laughs> For emergency use? Yeah. Yeah. Like high intake temps and stuff. Like you can, so limiting it at a set value works, 
Um, but if those other tables, if you try to use it to control the torque, like you, we can't access the PID parameters and it'll just sit there and oscillate really weird. Uh, uh, like it's not, not worth doing it. But yeah, if you set it up for your IATs, if, if you set it at like 180 degrees, you, your boost gets shut down by... You know, and then they go something. on Facebook and ask people why they have low boost, and then they pull the bypass line off and then like just cram the IATs <laughs> through it anyway. <laughs> yep. I see those posts almost weekly. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> like, check your intercooler pump first. That's yeah, a good the last one. time I saw one, I was like, can you guys please stop telling people to bypass this? Like, it is doing its job. Yeah, speaking of wires. Scan your car. Like, okay, people. Like, I'm sorry. I'm old. Um, wide bands were hundreds and hundreds of dollars when I got into, you know, tuning cars. So, I mean, I didn't have one. I think they were like five, six hundred bucks when, yeah. back in like uh, the late 90s. Um, also, you couldn't really scan your car either. Like a lot no, of my, like the cars that got me my job here were OBD1, like mm-hmm. yep. maybe OBD2, like <laughs> some of the later model ones. So it's like I couldn't scan them. Like you guys have no excuse to not have HP tuners. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. the biggest electronic wrap is. Yeah. And it's HP even tuners. gotten more affordable. Like they're getting so affordable. Like just get HP tuners. Like people, I don't know, like they're just kind of lazy like they just want to buy the mods and put them on the car and just expect it to run well but like there's so much performance to be had with scanning the car and tweaking the tune based on that scan Mm -hmm. there's so much speaking of the the older software i remember the first time i messed with I, i think it was evo scan where you can't see the data while it's scanning yeah oh, it's just records scan is bad oh boy and and this was only like six seven years ago and i messaged taylor lear because i knew he had messed with him and i'm like dude there's no like really and he's like oh yeah you just go drive and record it and then go look at it later <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> that's it's too late by then yeah <laughs> yeah I'm a, I'm a big fan of um I've been telling people lately, usually I tell them, like, do a couple gears of full throttle when I'm remote tuning, but I actually like the one gear, like you mm-hmm. mentioned earlier, like 2,500 RPM to, like, whatever the, re- you know, yeah. whatever the red line is, let's say. Um, one gear of that is all I'm asking well, lately, and I I've like it. I've switched over to where I tell people no full throttle on the first scan, just nice, easy driving, because... <laughs> Honestly, about 30% of my customers cannot figure out how to get the channels loaded. Yep. Yeah. And then they go out and, and romp on the and car. And that's specifically why is because I'll have people, even though that is very clearly in my instructions, I get a scan back with the default V8 channels that is missing <laughs> everything that I need to make any useful changes. And they got like six top speed runs in the log. And I'm like, well, apparently you got lucky. Yeah. Somebody mentioned... Uh, on OBD1 cars where you'd have to jump the connector and count the (laughs) blinks on the light. I remember doing that on my Saturn. You're like, it would get to it. I can't, uh, I'd never remember, but whatever it was for the uh, coolant temp sensor, that was the the thing that always went bad because you didn't have a brass tip coolant sensor. Yep. And tip ain't brass, your ass is grass. <laughs> and you'd, you'd start counting and it would get to a certain amount and you're like, oh, I know what it is. <laughs> you get to like 12 blinks and you're like, oh, I already know. You didn't need know. to read the rest. No. Nope. <laughs> yeah, you probably have never dealt with that, Trevor. I had a lot of OBD1 cars. Did you? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he did like the older cars. E36 and everything is OBD1. 
Oh, yeah. That thing had like six codes. So you just never checked them because you had to go through so many blanks. <laughs> Sit there and wait. Nobody got wait. time for this. Yeah. Oh, back on widebands, too. On the newer cars, uh, AEM's new OBD wideband. Yes. You don't even have to wire the thing in. Does not work for LSJs. It says that on the product page. Yep. 08 or newer. Man, that, thing, that thing is magical. Like, I, all my channels now that I send out for remote tunes have that already in it. So all they have to do is just, like, hook it up and plug it in, and it just auto-logs to me. Yeah. And it is great. And it's fast. Yeah. Wow. It's very nice. Yeah, it, it's a really, so good. really good. Um, had to flash coat the air black light. I definitely feel like the last five years have Jeff been crazy. Brown. That is a valid question. So the wideband is a completely different type of sensor than what the factory O2s are. So no, you cannot hook a gauge up to the stock sensor. However, there are some companies that make widebands that have a simulated narrowband output. They're very hard to find. I don't know if there's any currently in production, but those were the magic. Yeah. Uh, what's what's the brand that we sell? Not AEM. Innovate. AEM. Innovate. Yeah, they they have one. Um, the other the other company too. What's the other gauge that we sell that has the interface module that you plug all your sensors into? Uh, Plex. Uh, Plex. Yeah. That. Um, Is it? Plex? Well, no, no, no. No, it's not the other Plex. One. The other gauge. It's the same one the Watt Box is made by, right? I don't, no. I don't think so. No. Um, I forget. They had the simulated narrowband output, and that's pretty nice. Mm. Mm. But, you know, a lot of people, you can just take your rear O2 out and put the wideband in the rear O2, temporarily at least. Yeah. I would still always run your rear O2. Mm-hmm. Isn't it what? 07 Cobalt to get really pissed if you. Yeah, they do have... a bunch of weird idle tests. Yeah, if you don't in 3800s. Oh, yeah. really? A lot of 3800s. And, like, I, I want you guys to understand, like, we're not preaching this leave your O2s and CATs and EVAP just because of, like, regulations. Like, with modern technology, you're not gaining power. Yeah. At least no. not anything that's actually tangible by doing CAT deletes. You're just making your exhaust stink and oh, making your car have smells coats. so bad. Um, for, PLX. For example. PLX, PLX yep, there we go. Uh, PLX. I just has had a, an extra letter. Yeah. <laughs> yep. PLX has a simulated narrowband output. So you, so you could technically remove your your narrowband primary O2, put this in, uh, wire it all up into the car, and then you run the single wire to I believe the purple wire, which is mm. your signal wire, if I recall. Please look it up. Do not just trust <laughs> me on that. Purple wire. Um, just tie. Just snip your signal wire. Tie that right into it. ECM has narrowband input, and you have a you have a wide band gauge, like and it's doing it's adjusting your fuel trim, so yeah. it's like the best. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you can have like, for example, the thirty eight hundred guys. You can have a ST five or a XPZ or like a gigantic cam, and still have the ECM be able to control fuel, fuel trims, trims accurately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Which is it's amazing. Arcane, all you need for a wide band is buy a wideband gauge and an O2 bung. If if your downpipe doesn't already have an extra bung in it, you take it to a local exhaust shop, have them weld that in, screw the sensor in, plug AM it in. AM also gauge. has the clamp-on bungs, though. Oh, yeah, where you cut it and... Only tools you have to have is your wiring tools and a hole saw that can do a, yeah. a wideband-sized hole. Yeah. For all of our platforms, though, 
all of our downpipes have an op- option for an extra one, though, right? Yep, I believe they should. Pretty much they so, fall. yeah. Pretty much all of them, yeah. Um, but yeah, and then wire in the gauge, it just needs power ground, and then put it in your pillar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not hard. Also, don't uh, don't use the add-a-fuse in one of the radio uh, slots in your fuse box. Be- or It wasn't the radio, I think it was... How did I had it wired in on the the old red line? I had one of the add a fuses yeah. into the fuse box rather than actually wiring it direct, and it was in something with the radio. And if you had the wideband on, the radio go. <laughs> yeah, if you turn the radio on. I did all my AMs to ignition. It's been fine. Yeah, just because I wanted to click the key on and see all the sweep. Yup. Yep. <laughs> and you we know, like needles. We're yep. <laughs> we're all just kind of ricers, and it's cool to have a bunch of gauges. So. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you got to click it forward twice, and then wait for them to sweep all the way, and then you start the car. That's- so even if they all served a verified purpose, how many gauges is too many? <sighs> oh. Ooh. Like the Supras that do like the uh, eight yeah. down the, <laughs> and the waterfall. I think over five is... That's generous. ...quite unnecessary. <laughs> that's that's the limit we sell. The Sonic. Yeah, the Sonic you, you can, can get five. You can buy our mounts and get five. Yep. That's a lot of gauges. <laughs> I wouldn't even know what to do with five. Especially when you have dual air forces and all yeah. that. Like my, my life got so much easier when all the gauges went away and I have one screen that tells me exactly what I need and nothing more. Yep. Yeah, I do like that idea. And you can add that screen and just OBD to it and mm-hmm. replace yeah. all your gauges too, which would, is uh-huh. you know, While like it's a do. little pricier, that's an option we didn't mention was the Haltech Nexus Dash. Yeah. I'm kind of planning on buying one for um, probably on like like on a Black Friday sale or something. Ooh, for the base? Yeah, for whatever car I'm racing. They're pretty know. cool. Um, but those, for those of you that don't know, Haltech makes a dash that plugs into OBD2, and then it has, comes with its own software that you can configure the layout of it and put whatever gauges and data that you want on there as long as it's available through the OBD2 data. Mm-hmm. They're pretty cool. And people think you have a standalone. So. ATSVs are uh, V6s, two turbos. Yeah, how Fun. many? How many gauges does Ryan Derrick have in his Snowball? Six. Does he have three and three? I think so. Yeah, he's got three. He's got on three his on dash. the dash. Yeah. Yep. So it's six. Sorry, Ryan. You're off the island. <laughs> One too many. <laughs> you know, I had a zinger, and I, I'm not. We're just gonna. <laughs> Yeah, that that car is up and running again today. So that's yep. he's he's loving life. Oh, that's what I was gonna say that I totally forgot about. L, update him on why you're tired. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> let's get the hype up. We got one week. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, as is standard operating procedure, I waited to the last minute to try to do about an entire summer's worth of work on the Honey Badger. Yep. And thanks to my friends and coworkers here. Not friends and coworkers, my friends that are my coworkers uh, helping out. We've made some very rapid progress recently. I would not have had a snowball's chance in a desert to get it done in time by myself. Um, but we're getting there. There's lots left to do, but it's uh, it's reasonable. We have the turbo kit in. 
exhaust pipes are all done. I have one final charge pipe section I need to do that's only probably about a foot long. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have to pull the head still and swap the head gasket and swap the trans, but that's easy. we've done that so many times <laughs> that that'll be like half of the day Saturday and we'll have that done. Um, beyond that, Th- those are the only things that have to happen. Uh, whatever time is left will be taken up with uh, however long I need on the dyno and then finishing up the arrow Yeah. and trying to pretty up the inside a little bit so it doesn't look like complete trash. Uh, we got the black dash yep. out of Tyler's wrecked car that sacrificed itself for this greater purpose. <laughs> What's the? Uh... And I even dug my brand new that I never used stock interiors carpet out of the garage. So Ooh, I'm going to put some carpet, carpet in there. Okay. Like I'd, it's obviously still going to be full race car, but I don't want it to look like gutted S-Box. <laughs> the paint on the cage turned out good. Yeah. I need to paint the rest of the cage. The painted part looks good. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that the other day. I was like, this is... Oh. Well, I just hurried and painted what was behind the windshield so yep. that he could glue that back in. And then I was like, ah, oh, crap. I should have not done that because I didn't overspray. It. Anyway, What's we'll the, figure it out. Uh, mile an hour or bust. You want to say it live, or is this an internal <laughs> goal? I'm not going to say it. All right. Okay. I have a number. It can't be too fast with your car only making 205 horsepower. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. I got some people riled up in the comments. Oh, man. <laughs> yep. We'll just have to wait and see. Yep. Next week. Well, any last-minute questions you guys want to answer, talk about? Oh, I want to go take a nap. But to to finish that statement, that's why I'm so exhausted because I, you know, thought I was Superman and been running on like five hours of sleep for two weeks. And today it just caught up with me. Yep. (laughs) Go take a nap. Yeah. What are you guys doing this weekend? (sighs) Working on the honey badger. (laughs) Our friend. And hanging out with Randall. Our friend yep. Randall O'Brien is in town. I don't know if he's still in here or he left. Yeah, he probably left. Goes but. under the alias, Randy O'Brien. Yep. <laughs> there is no greater bow tie tie-in tuba tootin' Sonic owner on the planet. That is correct. He is yep. the, the, the pinnacle of those mm-hmm. three combos. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yes. Good luck topping that. And his, Sonics is on, his Sonic is on bags, so it's, yes. it's just cool. Yeah. I'm so surprised that I have never done that yet with how much I love bagged cars because they're expensive yeah well yeah well, that, that's why <laughs> i i really liked riding in this car I, I couldn't believe uh i didn't i guess i didn't know what i was expecting but when i rode in it i just noticed that you just don't feel imperfections in the road you float Ooh, that'd be nice yeah at uh tail of the dragon yeah <laughs> yeah i was riding and i was like wow this thing rides like really nice like that's pretty cool so mm-hmm. airbags uh, definitely, uh, I'll say underrated. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Like because okay, let, I'm not gonna drag us out too much, but the guys around here know that I'm very vocal about hating the hella flush, slammy, <laughs> static, stancy camber crap. But if you have a bag car that can lay frame, I'm on board. Yep. It's always cool. It's one, only one day. gets a pass if it's bagged. Yep. Because then it can still be practical. <laughs> but you're still picky about the camber. even. Though. I am still very picky about the camber. <laughs> yeah, the camber. If the camber gotta... adjusts to normal at ride height, that's okay. Fine. I don't mm. hate the camber because of the look. I hate it because it's dumb. It's, it only is dumb. Only to make, yeah. like, control arms that are electronically adjustable. Yeah, yeah. The one thing I will always hate about bagged cars, and it, it's only a specific subset, is I think it's the... 
fifth generation or sixth generation golfs that when you put them on bags, something in the rear suspension brings the wheel forward and you oh, have this giant yeah. gap. But I'll, I'll show you. And whenever you see it, you'll get mad now, huh. but it always looks terrible, but it's <laughs> Don't only look that at the uh, rally art too close. <laughs> Evos do that. Ah, the wheel yeah. goes do back. They? Randy yeah. is still here. Yes. Hey. Yes. I am broke. Have you seen my car? It's all there. <laughs> it's all there. <laughs> all right. I have assets, but they're only valuable to me. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> thanks for talking about mostly gauges and yeah. everything else. It was a very about. good starter topic. <laughs> yep. Yes. All right. These headphones is hurting my ears. Yep. Uh, we'll see you guys probably not next week, but the following week. Yep. We. You might see us. Won't be on here. Yeah, it won't <laughs> but be we'll in this see. room. We'll see. If if we're able to communicate, we will. Yep. Math and science. If yeah. it all comes together. Yeah. Cool. Cool. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Have a good weekend. <laughs>